Welcome to Batten Down the Hatches, the podcast where three generations of battens navigate the waters of life. A canoe isn't equipped to cut through the ice of the Arctic, and so it is with many of us that feel ill-equipped to handle the dreaded family function. My co-hosts and I are willing participants in this experiment of weekly family communication, but large family gatherings can feel like trying to navigate a minefield. In this week's episode, we talk failure, disappointment, and taking off the rose-colored glasses. So with the upcoming holidays, we see so often people feel like they have to mingle. They have to. And I don't mean people. We're talking about family. We're talking about family being able to come to the table, kind of what we're doing here and communicating with each other. And I think what we were talking about off mic, and now we've brought to the table, is do we have to do that? Or if we are brought into that situation, do we? how, how do we navigate that? Because the invitations are going to go out. And family who hasn't spoke to each other for maybe the whole year, maybe the last 10 years, are suddenly going to be at the table. How is this even going to happen? Well, I'm going to talk about a point that is currently on the table, and that is about Amanda's wedding, and with regards to my children, because she said she'd like to invite my kids. I haven't told them about it yet. Why haven't I done that? Because I have issues with my children and the fact that, well... Am I going to have enough gas to go get them? Am I going to be able to get them back and forth from it? Do they even care about me and wanting to be there with me there? It's not about you, but I also think about the fact that, that this is, could be an interpretation of her saying, well, why doesn't my kids want to come and be a part of what you're doing? And so it's like that dynamic is something that we didn't discuss before we turned on the mics, was that... Is it me? Is it them? Is it my responsibility? Should I be telling them about what's going on? And if I'm not, you know, and a lot of this is like very anxiety resulting because of my Asperger's. And I just like, I, I've had full on conversations with you and with you and with every single of my children about the situation. I've never talked to any of you about what I'm talking about. So that's what I'm saying. I, I do the thinking and the conversating for other people oh. in my head to the point that I get my resolution without ever having to speak to you guys. And then later on, you or one of my kids will say, well, why didn't you tell us about the wedding? Um, well, <laughs> I had these conversations in my head that told me that you probably wouldn't want to go, your mom's not going to allow it, blah, 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 because that's another thing. Because you're getting married to another woman, maybe the, the kid's mom wouldn't let him go. I don't know. But I think I wouldn't, I mean, I, I don't have Asperger's, so I can't say this categorically, but I don't know that I would blame that. Because I do that. I will have, in my case, it's usually dialogues in my head with 
uh, customers or with editors or I was blaming the anxiety, not necessarily the conversations in my head. Oh, okay, okay. Anxiety, yeah, I can I can understand that. But um, like I had to take a th- three hour nap this morning that I was stressing so much about it. Yeah. Well, and I think that the answer, the short answer to that question is you know, take the risk. Let 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 people think say let people think say for themselves and um and see this uh, is I, I, I think you can handle the situation I don't peacefully I know I it, it, that it everyone's always said that I've always catastrophized about things and it's like and you know when when Amanda said about you know, and you guys said about the dinner, I was like, oh, something that can make up for what I just did in my head. (laughs) (laughs) But I did do this, even though I didn't do that. (laughs) You guys, welcome to the madness that is me. (laughs) Um, I, I totally relate to having conversations in your head with people before talking to them. I play out whole arguments in my head. Um, I think that um, I, I definitely understand. I, I wouldn't say I totally understand because no one can totally understand another person, especially if it's a different um, you know, diagnosis that you're dealing with. But um, yeah, it's hard navigating all that stuff. Um, and I will say that it's hard without a particular diagnosis. Um, I will say that I've definitely gone through periods of my life where I could not go to family functions because of anxiety, because of the conversations that I was playing out in my head. So I sympathize. And I think that... And the amount of recovery time it takes to overcoming what yes. you just had to go through, yes. like taking myself and putting me in that, in that situation, it's like, mm-hmm. why would I want to have to take a month to recover from yes. a emotional traumatic experience? And you know? I, I think that that is kind of the thing that is missed when people talk about anxiety, because we talk about it so much as something that happens in the mind, but it is a very, like metaphysical, not metaphysical, biophysical um, reaction. And it's it's a cascade of hormones. So it's it can't be like, oh, we'll just stop thinking about that. Like once the cascade of hormones that trigger your f- anxiety response kick in, you can't just stop them. They have to run their course. It's not, a, it, it then becomes not an electrical issue. It becomes a chem- like a, body like, chemical issue. Yeah, like adrenaline. Yeah. Um, when when you have the dr- adrenaline experience, you can't just suddenly stop the exactly. adrenaline. And it does take a toll on your body and that I absolutely know what it's like to just be completely wiped out from a panic attack and also completely wiped out for like the whole next day from just a social situation. So so I definitely hear you. And, and do me I one favor, James. Can you never 
use the phrase don't blame it on my Asperger's. Just I just Well, I think that it's kind he, of a coping mechanism. To, yeah, he's try and being someone with a diagnosis, um I have OCD. Especially a very misunderstood diagnosis as many diagnoses are. Um it can be really hard for someone to put themselves into that state because they have not felt any of that. Um, and I will say that um, it can be hard to navigate that line between am I am, am I, I making stuff up or yeah, is it am I genuinely am I genuinely having a hard time with this and um, or is this it's it's really hard to separate the two. And so but I will say that we're all human, and so we are, in fact, having a human experience. And there is very, very, very... Just because someone has a diagnosis doesn't mean they experience a completely different life than you. So something that Tim may experience may resonate with you, but that doesn't mean that it's not um, a result or made more acute by his Asperger's. And I think that that's... It's the acuteness that is often the, um, the problem. Because like one person may feel sort of like nervous, maybe get a little hot, maybe a little sweaty when they're trying to talk to someone, and they feel nervous. That's very. That's a very normal human response. But f to feel like you are going to have a heart attack, or to feel like you're going to die because. <laughs> your anxiety manifests itself as like an upset stomach and like you know diarrhea that's not in your head that's in your butt and my saying that it, it something's going on the acuteness or whatever with regards to my Asperger's is not a a de-escalation of how it affects you by me saying that well, then it's my Asperger's, or you saying OCD. If you're having anxiety, too, it's just as real and just as emotional to you, too. Just because there hasn't been a label put on it doesn't make it less of an issue. Mm -hmm. it's, that's the, and, yeah. I, and I never want to say that, or never want to convey that to you, James, in saying that, you know, in dealing with that, because I do think that that sometimes comes across as, like, is that an excuse or is that a... Because that's something that I was getting hit with really hard, especially at the beginning, was that everybody was telling me that I was blaming this or saying this was an excuse or saying that that was a reason and and giving them an okay for me to do kind of things, and that's not what I was trying to say at all. It's just that... And, I, and, and again, I don't want to downplay your anxiety in any way because I know you deal with a lot as well. So... But when it comes to these family functions and dealing with family relations, yeah, it's part of it. Um, well, one, one other thing I wanted to say was that I didn't want James to think that my sort of explanation of like how it can be different, how different people can experience different things and just kind of relating to your experience, I didn't want that to be like a, like a chastisement. Like I thought, because I think exploring, because your exact words were, I know I don't have Asperger's, but I feel like that's something that I experienced. Well, that, those weren't your exact words. I'm paraphrasing. Um, because I feel like taking pause to try to put yourself into that situation and um, uh, you are trying to empathize with and 
understand Timmy, would you say that that's accurate? That when you say something like what you just described, oh, that sounds similar to something I experience. Um, do you do you feel like that that's what's that you are yourself trying to put yourself in his at the very least trying to put yourself in the situation, even if you come away with how you would handle the situation versus how he would handle the situation? Well, I'm trying to respond to your question very delicately because what I was saying was mm -hmm. I've experienced all of those things. So have a lot of people listening. So have you, mm -hmm. okay? We can't say categorically that all of those experiences that Timmy's having may be because of the Asperger's. Why am I experiencing all of those things? Okay, what I'm saying is, is that they, people experience those for a lot of different reasons. We can't, we can't just say, you can't have somebody that's listening go, oh, wow. Um, I need to have a deep look into what's going on in my processing mentally because I experience those same things too. I, I, what I'm saying is that a lot of people mm -hmm. experience those. And I was just identifying that by by saying, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've been there. I've experienced those same exact um, thought processes. I, mm -hmm. guess, I guess really that's all I was saying. Okay. Acknowledging someone else's struggle doesn't invalidate your own. Ah. That's exactly what I was trying to say when I said what I said when he said what he said, was that I'm not trying to say just because I'm experiencing it my way that yours is any less important to you than it is. And that's true. I mean, it's just like when they say somebody meets somebody that has Asperger's. Well, you've met somebody that has Asperger's. That doesn't mean that that's gonna be, he's going to be like this guy or that girl or that kid or that adult or that teenager. When you've met one person with that type of issue, mm -hmm. you've met one person. And Intensity levels, all those things are very different. What I'm trying to understand mm -hmm. or dialogue about today is getting back to what I said in the beginning mm -hmm. is that people are families are going to come together. And we're all about family coming to the conversation table, mm -hmm. back porch, whatever the case may be. And I'm and and so yeah, that whatever challenges that we may face, I'm just I I I would like to see a way that we can all navigate mm -hmm. these situations that um, well, like you were talking about before we even turn the mics on, is if one, do we need to navigate them? Two, should we navigate them? Three, do we want to navigate them? Mm -hmm. Because, and, and I'll go to number three, is I, I want to navigate them. Mm -hmm. I love to have good dialogue, conversation, and I love to do it with family probably more than any, mm -hmm. anything else. And 
I don't know if it's I don't know if it's our past history, conflicts, challenges, whatever the case may be that we've had over the years. I would like to know that we can set those aside and converse. And as I've talked to people about this podcast, one-on-one, face-to-face, that's what I hear them saying. They're, oh, man, I just wish I could sit down with my son, daughter, whomever. And, and I think we can all think of somebody in our family that we're perhaps once upon a time very close to that, that we would still like to have conversation with. And yet... All the roadblocks that Timmy just illustrated so well stand in our way. Mm -hmm. I do like that you brought the main topic back up. I will say that I feel like there is no teacher quite like experience. And I feel like what you and Timmy just illustrated, having somewhat of a miscommunication while trying to communicate is really vital, especially on this podcast, because, um, you know, I've heard through the grapevine that there are some people that think that we are um, sugarcoating the past and not painting an accurate portrayal. And I want to be very, very honest in that. <laughs> um, <coughs> it's sugarcoated, huh? hard. It is so hard. What you what you just that moment that you guys just had uh-huh. is exactly what is so hard, and when you talk about coming to the table, and you talk about J- James, you talk about setting aside stuff that comes like setting aside from the past. That is that's like assuming that people are coming into the I want to say I want to say debate arena. Not all conversations have to be a debate, and debate in and of itself is not a bad word. Argument's not a bad word. It's Mm -hmm. just a word for two people saying different points. Um, Sometimes families just want to get together and sugarcoat things and reminisce about the past in a warm, fuzzy way, even if it didn't happen that way. Some people want to come to the conversation and be like, I have so much like baggage with these people. I know how to mess with them. And um, so... (laughs) It's funny that you say that because... Um, what we did in our conversation about this other family thing is what you just said is that we brought all of our thoughts and all of our assumptions and everything to the table mm-hmm. and played the whole thing out in our mind before yeah. it even happened. Right, right. So you're I mean, totally right. It was, we a re- were I, it was a very fascinating thing to like observe and listen to. Because uh, I noticed I was it was getting a little bit on your nerves. Too. No, I thought no? it was fascinating. Oh, okay, I thought you were like, when really? Someone, <laughs> when I, people have a tendency to think, oh, if I'm going to put myself out there as an expert, which we are not. Um, Disclaimer. <laughs> speak for yourselves. I, <laughs> I'm an expert. <laughs> there's, there's the feeling to be or like there's the impulse to be infallible or um to feel like oh well i'm going to talk about this subject that i know about and so i don't need to work on me anymore um one of the things that my therapist does that i love she'll share something from her personal life to normalize what i'm experiencing because it's just kind of like a normal human 
thing. And right. so to have someone who is in a position of helping you be able to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I also struggle with this kind of thing. Um, I feel it like it. I feel like coming to tape the podcast and hearing how hearing about this um, this um, opportunity for family communication that you guys were talking about. Um, it was really interesting for me to see sort of like sort of like the default because we 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 do we default back we try and grow and s sometimes we can default back to you know previous settings <laughs> but uh, well i'll definitely not sugarcoat my family relations over the net last how old am i 46 well so let's yeah. go back well, to when i was probably 13 when my relationships with my family members started to deconstruct and I think it was even before that, but you just didn't well, realize it. Um, right. And then the thing was is that I just, there's nothing from that point forward that I can really put a finger on and go, I mean, there was, there, I have moments of triumph, but for the most part, uh, unstable job, unstable father, unstable husband, didn't, uh, not a good friend, not a good uh, brother, sister, son. You know, I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat any of that. I mean, I can t tell everybody, especially right now. I am in my mind as I thump my head saying to myself, uh, is it best if I just stay, keep my distance from my children because they're part of a family and my family is gone and I don't get to interact with my children the way I want to and I don't get to interact with them the way they'd want me to. So I'm not sure what to do. And sometimes I kind of throw my hands up and go, I just, I won't do it for now. And it'll eventually work itself out, maybe. I don't know. Well, I will, I will also say that, um, that I, you bring up an excellent point that I wanted to touch on. And that is... That I was a terrible uncle. <laughs> See? <laughs> Confirmation. That's all I needed. I never said you were a terrible uncle. <laughs> I just wasn't an uncle. I mean, it was like, comes over once in a while, tells a few jokes and disappears, you know? I mean, I'll take it. I hate my other uncles, so. <laughs> well, there we go. Hate is a strong word. I just don't like being teased as a child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Neither did I. So, so I it's probably that's... best that you were scarce because I could have ended up hating you too. Well, I, I never, <laughs> I didn't tease my children. So I don't tease no, kids. No, that's, oh, that's excellent. I hate it when people tease kids. There's but people that's... that talk down to my kids right now, and I, I never, never, my Vanessa, their mother, could attest to the fact. Never put my children down. That's awesome. That I remember. Sorry, guys. Maybe I was a little hard on Jaron. I do remember that. I was a bit of an ass to him, but most of my assness came from me wanting to be the authority and be mm -hmm. told and do as you're told kind of thing. That was my assness, but I never really tore them down. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, some of the things I said to Jaron, but okay. Well, and I, I we apologize to Jaron profusely for my fatherly <laughs> example. Um, so one of the things that you mentioned about, or you said, maybe I'll just not do anything for now and I'll just save it for later and maybe it'll work out. Um, I, would, I would do want to say that I feel like that is 
part of one of the questions that was asked initially um, was because um, we've established that talking, coming to the table and having conversations with your family, especially if it's a tumultuous relationship, is incredibly, incredibly difficult and fraught with um, y difficulties. <laughs> but um, the question of should I put myself through that I think that's an excellent question. And I think the answer is um, you don't have to. No one has to stay connected to their family. And that's my opinion. Like, you don't have to stay connected to people. Um, you also don't have to be constantly maintaining relationships. There have been, <laughs> because, you, your emotional state is a finite resource. And so the more, um, are you familiar with Dunbar's number? Another term that to me does not get. <laughs> well, I don't, um, I don't know that it's, one either. It's not a common, commonly known oh. thing. Not, sorry, I don't know how to. <laughs> so there's this concept of Dunbar's number. You can only have so many human relationships and connections until things start dropping off. Relationships start That reminds me apart. of so many decisions you can make in your day before exactly. your brain starts to yeah, shut down. Exactly. It's the same thing, but with people. Um, you can only have about 100, 150, maybe, real-life friends. I'm sorry. I'm shaking my head going, there's no freaking way I could maintain 150 yeah, exactly. friends. I, I can so barely re maintain... Your family and my family yes. and uh, a few friends well, on Facebook, well maybe, but <laughs> those aren't real. You Okay, so I'm going to blow your mind a little bit more. You don't just have, when I say maintain relationships, I'm sorry that I keep going off on these random tangents, but I guess they're kind of backing up my points with a little bit of science. Um, you don't just maintain one relationship in your head. You don't just think, this is my relationship with Amanda. You think, this is my relationship with Amanda. And this is Amanda's relationship with James and how it affects me and how decisions you make about me can affect him. It's not just one connection. Like this connection it's plus this connection. It's almost like a geometric. Yeah, so the more interconnected. Connection of your that relationship yeah. with the one. <laughs> so if everyone you know knows each other, you can't just go to that person and say something because you think, oh, well, what if they say something to so-and-so? Will it affect the way they think about so-and-so? Versus going to like a complete stranger and talking to them. You don't have to think about any of that because you don't have a relationship with that person. And maybe so that that maybe makes a lot why, of sense. That maybe that's why a, um, a counselor or a coach is so valuable because they're not connected. Yeah, it's... That's Unbiased third party like you were yeah. saying the other yeah, day, yeah, James. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That is, and that is why I feel like having a therapist is so important because you, when you are talking to a friend, there is this reciprocal nature, hopefully, to the conversation. And you're opening up to me. I'm going to open up to you. We're both trying to support each other. My therapist, I'm just—it's just me opening up. And like, yes, she can. She may share things, but it's about me. It's, it's all about, about you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned that because 
one of the things when I was telling you about that process of how I go through my head and how I do all that thinking for everybody. So when I think of my one child, I always think about how they're going to communicate with the other children. And then I think about how they're going to communicate with their mother and how their mother is going to communicate with her family and with her spouse and then with her spouse about to her kids. And then I do that, all of that communication. I mean, if you were to map that out, I mean, that's like 30 people that I'm thinking about having one conversation with. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not thinking about the one person's response. I'm thinking about the 30 people's responses. And so when you brought that up, I put a mathematical geometric thing on it because I can put the shapes to it and stuff. But anyways, needless to say, it, it totally makes sense to, to what you said because then therefore, that's why I've had so few relationships is because I don't have just those few relationships. From each of those individuals, I have 30 different relationships that I'm thinking about that I may not even have relationships with but I have had in the past or came across or always worrying about what people think of me. And uh, I know people do that all the time, but I just, I can't, I don't, I don't maintain relationships very well. I don't know. I've tried to have conversations with my kids. I'll call them up and I'll say, hey, how's things going? Same old, same old. Oh, cool. And learn anything new in school? Nope. You know, anything going on? Nope. And it's just a short little conversation. And I'm like, how do I create something more? And so I'd like, maybe I can get them to talk about or maybe I can get them to read something. Or, and it's like, all of a sudden, I'm trying to get them to do something that they don't want to do or whatever. And it's like, so I figure eventually it'll naturally organically evolve. But in the meantime, they know I'm here. I love you. I don't know what to do. I think... As someone who's obviously, um, I can say, as a person who has had a tumultuous relationship with their father and probably didn't like him very much at all times, um, I will say that adulthood has a way of um, leveling things out if you if if you let it i guess i would say and again this is just me this isn't advice for everyone but um um and i i the part where i say if you let it i feel like that speaks to that's kind of hard to do because it's both parties have to see each other as adults and that's really hard to do in the parent-child relationship because they are an adult but they're still your child and so it's it's hard to navigate um and but i feel like when you it naturally becomes easier to have things in common with people when they're adults because we're all adults here we all have to you know pay rent and fill our cars with gas and i just feel like it makes it there's more similitude once you reach adulthood and i feel like it makes it a little bit easier to communicate with your family but i can think of a million reasons why it would make it harder to communicate with your family so i can only really speak to how i feel like adulthood has changed 
my relationship with my parents. I think the point I was making earlier about you, that there's this notion that like you have to be actively improving the relationships in your life. And while that's true in like your immediate circle, it's like you get to decide what your circle consists of. Um, because sometimes you just don't have the emotional energy um, to work on a relationship with someone or they don't have the emotional energy to work on a relationship with someone. Well, then you you make my point and I make my point by saying the way that I think, you know, with so many relations standing behind the few relations that I have. So my only most important relationships are my kids first. My second is me or me first my kid second third it would be james and you and the people that i'm interacting with on that level that's it i mean I, right now i only have well seven eight family members that i communicate with or attempt to communicate with and even at that, I don't do a very good a job of that. So, and the thought of, uh, it was really funny because when I first got out of my divorce, I really wanted to find another relationship. And I found the last little while here, I haven't had any desire at all for a relationship. I mean, none. There's nothing from a relationship that I find that I would want. And maybe that's because I feel like I got everything what I need right here. But, um, but with regards to the people that I've been interacting with, um, it's one of those things where, like, as a father's obligation that I need to let them know I'm here, I love them, um, I, and if I, if I can do anything for them, I will, kind of thing. But um, some of the struggles I've gone through in the last few months, I didn't want to put my kids through any more than I already did. And I screwed up. I hurt one of my daughter's feelings or did something that I don't know what it was, but, and I admittedly was going through some pretty bad stuff mentally, and uh, I might have said something and done something, and if, if she brings it up and explains to me what it was, and I can apologize, I will. Um, but yeah, I'm, as far as these relationships of people coming from the outside and all of a sudden coming in and saying, oh, you need to be a part of this family thing, it's like, why? Mm -hmm. where's, the, where's the value? And it's not that I'm trying to get something from something. It's just that, is it something that's going to, you know, serve me? Is it something that's going to lift me up? Is it, is it going to be new relationships that I'm going to enjoy and nurture? Mm -hmm. Probably not. I, I think this speaks to, um, I think this speaks to expectation. I think that where and yeah conceivably what where we're falling on our face in our communication expectation is somebody whether it's us or the person that we're trying to interface with dialogue with or whatever um, I mean if somebody's disappointed in me um, our are they disappointed in me because I failed to do something that was important to me or something that was important to them? 
And I, I, as I, as you're sitting here explaining that to me, I'm thinking, wow, how, if I'm interacting, okay, let's go back to, you know, you, Amanda said that there were points and times in, in your life where you had very, um, very strong feelings against me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a revelation to me because throughout your entire life, except for a very brief period of time when you were probably around six, um, my perception has always been a really good that we've always had a really good relationship because there was, you know, going through your your teen years and and all the music years and the band years and and all of that. I've always thought that you know, uh, you and I had an amazing relationship. But there were I'm I'm going to guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess that where I failed you was where I failed to meet your expectations, or that I somehow conveyed to you an expectation inadvertently mm-hmm. that um, I failed to uh, I failed to achieve. So uh, yeah, that and and then a whole other topic which I won't even get get to. I've flat is out ego. made promises to my kids that I haven't kept. I've flat out made promises to my kids' mother that I haven't kept. I've made promises to many of friends and people and other things. So I've set expectations admittedly. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat things because I can I, I can run down the the reality highway here and not give a flying leap about the, the people's judgment of me because those were things that I did. I can admit it, I can apologize for it. They're the ones that are holding on to it. There, anything I can do to make up for it is only the things that I can do to make up for it. But but, but isn't that? Don't you think that's still an expectation? They expect you to follow through. They expect you to keep your word. But I they, also let it affect me too. Right. Right. Okay. So so and, and the fact that you've apologized. I mean, I'm living a life now that's very different than the expectation that I set for many of my children. And so, you know, I, I do see that. I'm, I, I guess I'm unapologetic for that. But, um, but it, it, I want to go to Amanda and get a response because I ask you, you know, a very specific, if you could speak to that expectation uh, thought process. I will say that you only knew what I wanted you to know. And this kind of goes back to that same point of um, you don't have to work on a relationship that you don't feel like ready or able to work on. People take people say like, oh, relationships take work, but like not everyone can, you know, even bodybuilders can't like maintain a certain level of fitness all the time they get tell me if i'm getting this wrong bodybuilder (laughs) um they train for i'll go with running i know running you can't run a marathon every day (laughs) so it's up to the individual to decide which relationship they want to work on and when they want to work on it which i think is kind of an a theme in this episode that i don't think was meant to be 
uh, theme, but I'm kind of picking up on that kind of the whole it takes two to tango kind of a thing because we have all decided to come together to talk, etc. You can't bring an unwilling participant into a relationship with you. Um, I was not in a place to be able to work on my relationship with you. Um, and I feel like I'm getting to a place where I can. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is us working, this is us wor- working on a relationship. Right. Um, because having the chance to go back through some things and talk about things that were hard and were difficult for me talking about them in hindsight because when you're a kid you can't really go to your parent and be like listen i feel like we're not as close as we used to be i want to work on a relationship when you're 10 years old <laughs> it's like the, the reason why people have such hard time with their kids is because it is kind of that forced let's work on a relationship kind of a thing because you're the parent and the the parent is essentially saying we've got to like we've got to that's like the only case where you essentially don't have two w- willing participants because if you're a teenager and you live with your parent and if you are stuck in contact with them like you don't and so and i think that's part of it like there was a time where we lived together and we were around each other every single day. And I feel like expecting two, any two people to be around each other on a live-in basis is extremely difficult. Everyone has horror stories from roommates, but in a family, that is a forced... You can't move out. <laughs> you can't yeah. be like, my ki- uh, my I don't like these roommates anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go find some new ones. Like, they're your parents. You're kind of stuck with them, more or less. My kids are telling me about that experience where they are right now. And of that exactly, you know, like that one episode we were talking about doing, you know, or that we did because I said so kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's forced. Everything's forced. All the family, all of the occasions, everything is forced. And that's why I, I I don't know. I I feel like I'm just kind of stepping back and going, you know, you guys want to talk. I, you know, the cell phone is on, it's running, you know. We can talk. You guys know where I'm at. I haven't been in a very good place for them to come over and hang out. Now I have a better place, which is cool. But uh, it still hasn't given me to the, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I spend too much time in my, I mean, this whole conversation that we're having right now is just taking me down a very dark rabbit hole. And I just, I'm having a, I'm having a hard time with it. But that is because, I mean, if I really take a stop and, and look at my past, I can say that I've been an epic failure in so many d- different ways. I, knew, I know there's trophies for the good things and stuff, but the majority of the weight on my scale is in you know things that I've not accomplished, that I have not done. I mean, even to the point of being an uncle, it's a you know piece of crap. I mean, I just I, I, I just never had a really good relationship with anybody. And so when this thing came up for us to go hang out with our cousins and aunts uh, in, uh, in a, during a holiday, I was like, and then my you know my sister says to me, I says, well, I don't think anybody really likes me or really wants to talk to me, kind of thing. She says, well, they come by it, you know, honestly and stuff like that. And I'm like, 
So she just proved the point that nobody there really likes me or really wants me around. Well, I go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can do all of those things and say all those things to myself without any of them even opening them their, their mouths. You know, I can say all of the things that I know that they're going to say and stuff, and I already have, and I just did it again. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just it's interesting. We continue to uh, sort of redefine the nature of our podcast because, you, you know, three generations of Battens navigating the waters of, of life and it and that really feels like what we're doing today is sort of navigating through uh, some some interesting challenges and expectations about communication and i'm asking not just expectations of communication but expectations of relationships of relationships yeah those and expectations that are being thrusted upon us yeah so my even worse, worse so when you're a teenager and you're forced to live with your family that can be a piece of garbage yeah. so I, it i think that we need to continue to examine the idea of sitting down and talking and communicating and maybe i've kind of created this pollyanna thought process that says wow what can we do to bring all of the family oh by the way when i said family that's a piece of garbage i can admittedly say i was a piece of that garbage at one time yeah yeah i i i, I get you but I'm, what but I'm not Pollyanning anything. Sorry, I keep okay. interrupting. Sorry. <laughs> okay, but I. But th- what I'm saying is maybe I am. Maybe it is not possible to, like you said at the beginning, sugarcoat the past, and and forget about some of the uh, hurt, some of the challenges that have come at us throughout life and now we want to sit down and talk to these people who have treated us perhaps as you say to me like garbage um maybe again using our our tag phrase navigating the waters of life maybe that that's that's the reality here that is very much the reality and i think even just being it may not be impossible because you said maybe some people just can't come together it may not be impossible, but I feel like it's important to emphasize just how difficult it is. Yeah. There's a reason that families fight. Like, yeah. And I feel like being able to take pause and look at the reality of some of these, some of these dynamics, I feel like is amazing. Yeah, how many, uh, how many, we often refer to movies, <laughs> how many movies have there been about families coming together for the holidays? And it's just... Tearing each other apart. Yeah, they just, they're, they're crazy, it's, they're ripping each other apart. And so, <laughs> maybe it's a bad idea. Maybe it's a bad idea to come to the dining table when, uh, you know, and, and try to visit with family. And Timmy's exactly right. It's the invitation that has come in recently. And I'm sitting there going, now, wait a minute. I've got a podcast about trying to dialogue with family. And I've just been asked to go into a situation where nobody likes me. Mm -hmm. I just don't know that I have the motivation to navigate those waters of communication 
when I'm going into a situation where <laughs> well, nobody likes me. Let's talk about it in nautical terms. Would you drive towards the hurricane? <laughs> <laughs> well, would you go would towards s- the what do they call the sinkhole things that go that oh, out there? Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't oh, know what they're yeah. called, but yeah. Well, I think it, it's it it's. I feel like the nautical an- analogy continues to be perfect because you don't you don't take certain kinds of boats into other kinds of water because it's not the right kind of boat for that water. And so if you aren't prepared to be in that kind of... The icy north <laughs> seas <laughs> where the uh, ice, is, ice is up, you know, and you have to use the ice oh thing. Oh, yeah. The icebreakers. Yeah. Ice breakers. Icebreakers, that's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a tugboat and you don't have an icebreaker or a canoe, yeah. <laughs> would maybe be a better... <laughs> Try, yeah. Trying to go through the Arctic on a, in a canoe instead of an icebreaker. <laughs> Sorry, I just see somebody with their canoe paddle going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've trust me, I've been there. Brought the wrong boat to a lot of waters. And that was our conversation. Batten Down the Hatches is produced and edited by Amanda Batten. Its executive producers are Timmy the Genius and James Batten. If you enjoy Batten Down the Hatches, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. Thank you to our listeners and patrons who make the show possible. To become a patron, visit battendownthehatches.com.